can this morning, let's stand for the reading of God's Word and turn with me, or you can follow along in your outline, Ephesians chapter number 4, and I trust that it is well with your soul this morning, and uh, thank you, Robert, for that tremendous, powerful truth that uh, Spafford lived through in, in that situation in his life. Many of us have gone through many, many things, but I'll tell you, that's where the peace of God comes into our life, the peace that passes all our understanding. And uh, so this morning, <clears throat> as God gives us the opportunity to look again in his word, been going through this series, I may have another week or two before the Lord uh, redirects me to another, uh, as we're heading into the fall, but I've been uh, trying and been endeavoring with the Lord's leading to, to help us, help me, uh, in areas of my life that no one else can see. And today is yet another one of those areas that I think many people struggle with. And uh, you'll see that <clears throat> the, the message this morning is right from the words of the Word of God this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. And let's begin reading in verse number 26. We'll read down to verse number 32. And the Bible says, Be angry and sin not, but... Let's read this together, all right? Verse 26, let's begin. Be angry and sin not. Sin, go down upon your wrath. Place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. <clears throat> Thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How many of you have ever been hurt? Seems like something we have to deal with in our lives. And the question this morning is to forgive or not to forgive? That's the question. Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for the powerful Word of God. I pray that you would use it in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be more like Jesus. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and for reading the Word of God this morning. <clears throat> you know, if we're going to have strong relationships in our lives, we have to learn how to forgive. All of us, as many hands went up, have testified to the fact that we have been hurt by others. But it's what we do with that hurt that will determine whether or not we're going to be strengthening or weakening our foundation as a Christian. Bitterness is something that many people struggle with. It is one of those hidden sins that will hinder our relationship, not only with God, 
but with other Christians, with our family, and even unsaved people. Forgiveness is one of the greatest restorers of relationships. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is one of the greatest restorers of relationships. And let me illustrate this with a true story this morning. Years ago, there was a couple by the name of Jim and Elizabeth Elliott. Uh, On the picture here, you see Mrs. Elliott, Elizabeth. They were called of God to be missionaries to a primitive tribal people known as the Aka Indians. Jim, along with four other men, missionaries, all of them, they were uh, speared to death by this tribe of Aka Indians. And it was an amazing story, and, and I'm just giving the highlights, or some people think they're the lowlights of this scenario. But to many people's surprise, after this incident, and of course there was time for healing, that Elizabeth, and you see here her 10-month-old daughter, actually returned to live among the very people that killed her husband and the four other missionaries. This amazed so many people. They asked Elizabeth, how in the world could you forgive those that had murdered your husband? And I want you to hear the words of Elizabeth Elliot. She said these words, to the world at large, this was a sad waste of five young lives. But God has his plan and purpose for all things. We, and she's talking about the, the widows of the five men, herself being one of them. She said, we look forward to the day when these savages will join us in Christian praise. That's an amazing testimony. This kind of response that Elizabeth Elliot and those other four widows had was only possible because they, Elizabeth and others, were willing to forgive those that had hurt them. A lot of times we want to hold on to the hurt. But in our text this morning in Ephesians chapter number 4, God gives us four specific ways that we, as believers in Christ, can respond with a forgiving spirit, or in other words, an Elizabeth Elliot type of spirit, or a Jesus Christ type spirit. So I want you to notice, first of all, this morning, that one way that we can respond is by rejecting Satan's temptation. When somebody hurts us, what we need to make sure that we don't do is yield to the temptation of Satan. The Bible tells us in verse 26, look at the beginning of this verse, the Bible says this, it says, be angry and sin not. Now, when we look at those words, we see that what Satan is tempting to do, what he is tempting us to do is he wants us, first of all, to sin in anger, to be angry and sin not. Now, again, responding in anger, what it does is it only adds damage. It makes things worse. James 1.20, the wrath of God worketh not the righteousness of God. When you see Jesus, the Son of God, 
and he was on this earth for some 30, 33 years, that when Jesus was on this earth, there were things that Jesus did at times that you would think that when Jesus did those things that, boy, he was mad. Now, there are times, and again, we don't want to justify this in our own lives, but there is something in the Bible known as anger that is righteous. Jesus didn't get angry in these situations because somebody violated his personal rights. We know from the scriptures, Jesus freely yielded his rights. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so opened not his mouth. In other words, Jesus did not get angry. He did not sin in anger towards those that treated him the way that they did. Matthew Henry commented on this matter of Jesus' anger. Listen to what he said. If we would be angry and not sin, we must be angry at nothing but sin. And we should be more jealous for the glory of God than for any interest or reputation of our own. The problem with anger is this. It usually leads us towards sin. Anger makes us do things that we would not do. Benjamin Franklin said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. We need to be aware that in our lives, the wicked one, the devil, Satan himself, will tempt us to sin in anger. And so we need to make sure that we are rejecting Satan's temptation. But notice, not only does Satan tempt us to sin in anger, Satan tempts us to secondly stay in anger. Look at looking at it in verse 26, what the Bible says. The Bible again says this, Be angry and sin not. Let not sin, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, what is God telling us here? As a matter of fact, God's not telling us. God is commanding us to not allow anger to linger in our hearts. Don't make a home for anger in your heart is what he's saying here. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. The word wrath is defined as intense anger. When we get angry, you know what we want to do? We want the person that has hurt us, we want them to pay for it. That's what happens when we get angry. And Satan knows as long as we're angry with someone that we are immobilized spiritually. There was a husband and wife years ago, and they were getting ready to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. That's a milestone. And there was a friend of theirs, a young uh, man that was getting ready to get married. And he knew what, how this, this couple had really had a, a marriage that was honoring to the Lord. And so the young man, he, he asked this couple, he says, Can you tell me what is the most helpful thing that you have done in your 50 years of marriage? And the husband looked at him and he said this, we never go to sleep angry with each other. And a couple seconds went by. The young man kind of had this look on his face like, that's impressive. But then all of a sudden, out of the quietness, the wife said, 
And the longest we've ever had to stay awake was one week. <laughs> you know, as somebody said to me this morning, whatever it takes. We need to make sure we're never too proud, never too proud to do what is necessary, to not have conflict in our home and in our relationships. When we allow anger to simmer within us, you know what will happen? It's eventually going to boil over into other areas in our lives. God wants us to address these problems, and he wants us to do it graciously. Instead of harboring hurts and becoming bitter, look at Hebrews 12, 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Go back to our passage, verse 27 of Ephesians 4. Look at this verse. Just a couple simple words. Neither give, what's those next four words? Place to the devil. You know the Bible's saying there? Don't open the door for the devil. Don't, don't give him a seat. Don't allow him into your house. And when we allow bitterness and anger to, to harbor in our hearts, what we're doing is we're giving place to the devil. This is exactly what God is saying, is that we are inviting the devil to come in and influence our lives. Look at Romans 13, 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Even the apostle Paul, when you study his life, Paul understood, he recognized that the devil uses unforgiveness to gain an advantage in people's lives. Look at what he writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." Satan knows what it is or how to bring down our lives through hurts and things that we don't deal with. Somebody said, when you forgive, you set two people free and one of them is yourself. That's what happens when we learn to forgive, but we must reject Satan's temptation. Can I tell you this morning, that as we reject Satan's temptation, God has a better way. Look at secondly this morning, not only to reject Satan's temptation, but our second response in Ephesians 4, when we've been hurt, is we can respond by reflecting biblical grace. Biblical grace. Because Ephesians 4 gives us two ways that we can respond in grace. Notice those two ways. First of all, we need to show grace in our actions. Look at verse 28. The Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So when we respond correctly to offenses 
in our lives that responding correctly is seen through our actions. As it's described here in verse 28, God tells us, don't allow anger to stay in your heart. Deal with that anger properly. And when we deal with anger properly, it will change the way we live. So notice that as we think about this matter of responding with biblical grace, it is something that is seen in our actions. But notice also it is shown in our words. In verse 29, look at it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When we hold bitterness in our hearts, listen to me, when you hold bitterness in your heart, it eventually is going to come out of here. Because out of the heart comes the issues of life. If I'm holding bitterness because somebody's hurt me and I won't forgive them, eventually it's going to manifest itself. It's going to come out of our mouths. James chapter 3, look at it. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? A little bit of poison, just a little bit of poison will, will uh, contaminate an entire water source and a little bit of bitterness corrupts everything that is inside of us. What should be coming out of our mouth, as the Bible says here, is good communication. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are times where I, I'm even guilty of this. Sometimes we are pretty good at being sarcastic. You know, sometimes I'm reminded when I'm standing around talking to someone that I've known or I've been friends with for years, and, and we're having fun, kind of jabbing with each other, just kind of being sarcastic. And a lot of times I think to myself about the people that are standing around us that don't know us. And they're thinking to themselves, I thought he was a Christian, but I'm not hearing good communication coming out of his mouth. The Bible says here, it uses the word edifying. I love this word. It, it means to build up or to cause to grow. When I think about this, what, what is it that builds us up? What is it that causes us to grow? Good communication, our words. Do you, you know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but how's the rest of it go? Words do hurt, don't they? And you know what I found when words come out of this mouth? You can't put them back in. It's too late. The hurt's already happened. Society we live in today, this world, is it not really good at tearing people down with words? The, the, the closer we get to this coming election... It's all going to be about finding dirt and then exposing that dirt using words. I'm always amazed when the candidates, they, somebody will put together this smear thing, they'll make an ad, a commercial on TV, and at the end of the ad, after all the negativism, they'll proudly say, 
I am so-and-so, and I gladly endorse this announcement. Really? And you want to hold the highest office in our land? Thank you for the edification. Thank you for the encouragement. You see, Christians ought to be busy restoring life. You know why? Because the devil is doing everything he can to bring about death. Mary, the little girl, she was having a rough day at school, and she came home from school, and she started to complain to anybody in the house about how things were going, and she moaned, nobody loves me, the whole school hates me, the whole world hates me, and her brother hardly even looked up at her as he replied, that's not true, Mary, some people don't even know you. (laughs) Edification is something that every person needs. We all need to be edified, we all need to grow. We are ordained by God to be ministers of grace the grace of God. A mature Christian will take a big problem and make it small, but a carnal Christian will take a little problem and he'll make it bigger. It's real easy to do that, but pouring grace on a situation, you know what it does? It brings a peaceful result. When peace like a river attendeth my way, it is well with my soul. Many of you probably, it's been I think maybe a week or a couple weeks, but on the news you couldn't hardly miss it. There was the trial going on of the officer by the name of Amber Geiger. This was the female police officer that was sentenced to a 10-year prison sentence for killing Botham John after mistaking him for an intruder in her apartment, when the truth was she was just coming off of a double shift, she was on the wrong floor of her apartment complex. She went into the same apartment, but on the wrong floor, and when she walked in, she walked into Botham John's apartment, which he had every right to be there. He was sitting on the couch watching television, and she gunned him down in cold blood. Botham's brother, whose name is Brant, and you can see the slide here of Brant, he showed by his actions and his words the grace of God towards Officer Geiger. I want you to listen to his testimony, and I want God to use it in your life the way it touched my heart. Let's play that, would you?
just remember that this young man just lost his brother. This officer took the life of his own brother. And I see that and I think to myself, how in the world can someone forgive like this young man did? What a, what a testimony. Brant's mother, that young man, his mother, she said, if you noticed a couple times, he said, I'm not speaking on behalf of my family. But God gave him the courage to say what he did. Brandt's mother said this. She said, I'm so proud of my son. She said, regardless of the views of the spectators, walk with God always. She said, forgiveness is the forgiver. And it doesn't matter what the forgiven does with it. The hug that... Brandt and Geiger had was followed by this scene. If you take a look there, that's the judge. You see what forgiveness does? It opens things in people's lives. The hug that Judge Tammy Kemp, she stepped down from the bench. She not only hugged Geiger, she also hugged Brant's mom in the courtroom. She then left and went into her chambers, came back, and the next slide shows her presenting a Bible to Amber Geiger. She gave a copy of the Word of God to this, this officer that was just sentenced to 10 years for this murder of this young man that did nothing wrong. What's amazing is, is as I read towards the end of the article, the judge's gift of the Bible and her urging Geiger to read specific passages accordingly was unconstitutional according to the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Brandt made an intentional effort to do what? To give grace. Well, how did he do that? With his words. Luke 4.22, the Bible says, And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? John 7.46, the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. You see, when we respond with grace, like, like we see that Brant did, or we see like the judge did, or our greatest example is like Jesus did, you know what happens? God rewards us. Because we're doing things that is pleasing to God. We're reflecting biblical grace. See, one of our responses when we're hurt is this matter of not uh, giving in to the temptation of the devil. The second one is to re reflect biblical grace. Third response this morning is we need to refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Go back to Ephesians chapter number 4, look at verse number 30. The Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. See, I think many times in our lives, 
we don't really consider the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is present in our lives. The Bible says our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And because God is always with us, we don't let our actions, oftentimes what happens is our actions actually, as it says here, bring him sorrow, grieve him. When we refuse to give, for instance, what are we doing? We're bringing sorrow, we are bringing heaviness to the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Bible teaches us, first of all, that bitterness grieves God. Look in verse 31, the Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, when you look at those first three words there, bitterness, look at these definitions. Bitterness means extreme enmity, a grudge, or hatred. Wrath is defined as fierce rage. And the last word there is anger which means blowing up with violent emotion. Now, when you look at these three words here, they are, they are words to describe how we feel when we've been hurt. And what happens is all three of these sins, in other words, bitterness, wrath, anger, they all go together. Matter of fact, they all feed off of each other. Look at them again. Bitterness, that hatred extreme hatred, what does it become? It becomes wrath, a fierce rage that turns into anger, which means we blow up with violent emotion. And God commands us, look at this, God says, I want you to put all of that away from you. I didn't see Brant bitter. I didn't see him raging there on the stand. I didn't see him blowing up with violent emotion. And the Bible tells us that God commands us to put these things away. So bitterness grieves God, but notice secondly, sinful speech also grieves God. Go back to verse 31 again, because he ends it with clamor, evil speaking, and he says, be put away from you with all malice. Now, again, the first three sins that he mentions in verse 31 are, they deal with how we feel. These three that he mentions in the last part of 31, listen to me, they deal with what we say. For instance, clamor, what does it mean? It's a great outcry. It means to utter loud noises repeatedly. Look at the second word, words there, evil speaking, talks about slandering somebody, speech that will injure their good name. And then malice, the last word that he mentions, means all that is sinful. So oftentimes what happens is, is that in verse 31, the issue that we're talking about this morning, it begins in our heart, it begins as bitterness, but it will eventually make its way out in our lives. Well, how does it do that? Through our emotions. We are emotional people, are we not? When I think about this, somebody said unforgiveness is the poison we drink, hoping others will die. Sam Ewing, I heard this years ago, never forgot it, that anger is just one letter away from danger. That's how close we are to something bad happening. It's important that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And so God says, look, there's some responses. 
when you're hurt, whenever somebody has wronged you, somebody has hurt you, and he says the, the way you respond is going to determine your life as a Christian. And he says you need to reject Satan's temptation, and you need to reflect biblical grace, and you need to refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit. But look at the fourth response. We can respond by reflecting the Savior's forgiveness, which is exactly what Brant did. He reflected the Savior's forgiveness God doesn't just tell us what not to do. God actually gives us the perfect remedy for bitterness, and here it is, choose to forgive. That's the remedy. God reminds us of the forgiveness that he extended to us because notice we serve a kind Savior. Look at verse 32. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. You see, the Bible says here that we need to be kind, have tenderness, have a goodness of nature towards others. The word tenderness means having strong inward compassion. We should be kind to everyone. Can I tell you, look, you have no idea what they are going through, what is going on in their life. We don't know the burdens that people carry in their lives. And because everyone you meet is fighting some sort of battle, What do we need to do? We need to be kind to them just like Jesus was. See, it's the right thing to pass on the kindness, listen to me, the same kindness that God has given to us. Has God not been good to you? All the time, right? So watch this. As God has been given to you, you need to be good to others. You need to be kind, tender-hearted. But notice, not only do we serve a kind Savior, we serve a forgiving Savior. Because in verse 32, look at it again, as he says here, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Where did Jesus forgive your sins? Can you tell me the place? On the cross. You see, verse 32, the end of this chapter, dealing with hurt, You know what happens is God brings into focus Calvary all over again. He helps us to understand that when Jesus forgave us of our sins and and the penalty of our sin, Jesus paid the sin debt. And listen, this is something that we honestly did not deserve. We don't deserve the grace of God, folks. But God is good to us. Some of Jesus' last words, and there were seven statements Jesus made from the cross But some of those words, one of those statements was, Father, forgive them. They were words of forgiveness. Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We are to forgive even as God forgave us. The same way God forgives us. The Bible says in Romans 12, 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. There were two little boys one day. They were quarreling like sometimes little boys do. I remember years ago I had a, a really good friend. His name was Jim, and we, we fought all the time. And these two little boys, they were quarreling. The next morning, Johnny took his cap and headed for Bobby's house again. Surprised to see him heading out to go to his friend's house, his older brother was teasing him, and he says, What? You going to play with him again? I thought you were quarreling only last night, and you were never going to have anything to do with each other ever again. Funny memory you have. Johnny looked at his 
brother and he was a little embarrassed. He dug his toe into the carpet for a moment and then it uh, flashed a smile on his face as he began to hurry out the door and his brother heard him say this, oh, me and Bobby, he says, we're good forgivers. What is it that you're harboring today? Is there something you need to forgive? Someone? Pastor, you don't understand what they did. I may not, but God does. Jesus forgave us of all of our sins. You see, culture tells us that forgiveness is an option. And usually to culture, it's a bad option. Satan tempts us to respond to hurt in anger. He wants us to not only respond in anger, he wants us to stay in anger. Just stay angry all your life. The result of that is bitterness and unrest in our hearts. But God commands us to forgive. For a Christian, a command is not an option. We are commanded by God to forgive. What does God do? You saw testimony. God gives us the grace to release that anger, to reflect His grace. What this world needs to see in and every one of us is they need to see us forgiving others just like Jesus forgave us. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed? I think about this matter of forgiveness. It's a hard one. It's a hard one because I asked this morning at the beginning of the message, how many of you have been hurt? And most hands went up. You see, all of us have been hurt at times. But you know why so many times you don't have peace like a river? It's because we're harboring bitterness. We're allowing that unforgiveness to linger in our hearts. I look at that testimony of that young man. Wow. He forgave that officer. She killed his brother. He'll never see his brother on this side of eternity again. But God helped him to let it go. He chose to forgive. And when I think about our sin, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know what that means? God loved you so much that he forgave you of your sin. God wants you to have a home in heaven someday. If you're here this morning, understand Jesus has already paid the sin debt. But by faith, you must trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the finished work of, of the cross. If you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, that's where forgiveness begins in your life. How many of you this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed could by an upraised hand say, Pastor, there's been a time in my life that I've trusted Christ as my Savior and I know my sins are forgiven. Would you raise your hands this morning? I'm saved. I know that my sins have been forgiven. You can put your hands down. If you could not raise your hand, 
You don't know for sure like a lady I talked to yesterday. Then why don't you settle that today? Why don't you allow the Lord into your life so that you can have that peace that passes all understanding, knowing that your sins have been forgiven? See, that you can come today. We could take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure. The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And so if you're not saved, we want to invite you in just a moment when the piano starts to play to come and trust Christ as your Savior. And if you are saved this morning, then according to the Word of God, you're a child of, you're a child of God. And the devil, if you are allowing bitterness to stay in your heart, and there's something between you and your spouse, you and your children, you and your neighbor, you and your coworker, whoever it is. You can't wait for them to make the first move. You need to do what Jesus did. You need to forgive them. You need to let go of it. Because if you don't right now, spiritually, you are immobilized. You cannot take another step for God with bitterness in your heart. And so the invitation this morning is for you. If there's something, someone you need to forgive, let's get right with God today. Lord, thank you for this morning. Bless the invitation. Do a work in people's hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?